Chapter Two of A Winter of Content by Laura Lee Davidson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two The Lake of the Many Islands, long irregular, spring fed, lies in a cup of the rolling Ontario farmlands. At the south, its waters, passing through a narrow strait, widen into beautiful blue bay. At north, they empty in a series of cascades into the little river Eau Claire, the town of les rapides its sawmill idle the ten or twelve log houses closed stands at the outlet a deserted village the eagles soar to and fro over the blue lake the black bass jump the doré swim there are hundreds of little coves and narrow channels waters forgotten of the foot where only the hum of insect wings and the rattle of the kingfisher are heard and where the heron stands sentinel in the marshes and the loons have their mud nests on the shores crazy as a loon that is of all phrases the most libelous for the loon is the most sensible of fowl and possessed of a most distinct personality no other water bird has so direct and so level a flight he lays his strong body down along the wind and goes like a bullet straight to his goal purposeful unswerving he has three cries one a high manic laugh which is of course the reason his wits are slandered then a loud squealing cry very like the sound of a pig in distress and last a long yearning call the summons to his mate perhaps that he sends out far across the water a cry that seems the very voice of the wilderness at twilight and often in the night i hear that lonely cry echoing down the lakes and the faint far cry that answers it there will be wind to-night the weather-wise say hear the loons making a noise the birds come to the bay back of the island and swim about there as friendly as puddle ducks if i go too close closer than mr gavia immer thinks safe or respectful down he goes and stays for some minutes under the water to emerge far away and in quite a different quarter from the one in which i expected to see him no one on earth could ever predict where a loon will come up when he dives he looks at me austerely twisting his black head back on his shoulder till i would swear he had turned it completely round on his white-ringed neck then he gives his crazy laugh and disappears again the loon is protected in canada no one may shoot him or molest him but once in a while one comes across a boat cushion made of a bird skin its gray and white feathers very soft and thick and attached to the skin so fast that it is well-nigh impossible to pluck them that is the breast of the loon the great wild bird of the northern lakes that the game law has failed to save when i see one of these skins i hate the vandal who has killed the bird the blakes are my nearest neighbors not nearest geographically for the drapeau farm lies closer to the island but near by reason of their many friendly acts and kind suggestions if i am ill or in trouble it is to henry and mary blake that i shall go for help henry blake of the keen ice-blue eye the caustic tongue and the good heart there was never anything more scathing than his condemnation of the shiftless and what he considers the general imbecility of his neighbors and never anything kinder than his willingness to help one of them in a crisis he will sit for an hour pencil in hand laboring to explain to some unsuccessful farmer that woodhauled at next to nothing accord can only land the hauler in a ditch of debt when the hapless one has departed fully determined to go his own way to hear henry spit out the one word fathead as he turns back to his book is a lesson in the nice choice of epithet
when it comes to judgment on the manners the morals and the methods of their neighbours henry and mary blake sit in the seats of the scornful but after all they are somewhat justified for they came over from these states henry an invalid bought a run-down island farm and they have brought it to a good state of cultivation and paid off their mortgage all in ten years but while they are free in their criticisms of the natives who live from hand to mouth one notices that the blakes are always willing to do a good turn and are usually being asked to do one is a house to be built henry is called on to plan it does a churn spring a leak or a cow fall ill mary goes to the rescue does a temperamental seed drill choke in one of its sixty-odd pipes henry is sent for to find the seat of the disorder and to apply the remedy i also went to him when deliberating the relative cost of a log-house and one of board mr blake discussed the matter with me in the kindest way summing up his advice in a sentence that reached my muddled brain in some such statement as the following it all comes to this you can get one cedar log six by fourteen for twenty cents three goes into twenty-one seven times so board or log it would come to the same thing it wasn't what he said of course but i hastened to agree lest i should be a fathead too everything on the blake farm is a pet from the handsome young jersey bull to the tiniest chick hatched untimely from a nest egg they all run towards mary as soon as she steps from the kitchen door and as she hurries from house to barn there is always a rabble of small ducks chickens calves and kittens hurrying after her the other day when she henry and jemmy dodd their adopted boy set out for a tour of the lake a calf swam after them and tried so earnestly to climb aboard that perforce they turned back to shore and tied the foolish creature lest he should drown himself in them like almost every family in the countryside the blakes have adopted a small boy giving him home and training and enough to eat which he never had before in all his forlorn life they are kindness itself to jimmy but henry regards him with the same foreboding he feels for all other native-born canadians he trains him but in the spirit of what's the use jimmy here he philosophizes he can't seem to learn the first thing and if he learns it he can't retain it i have taught him to read but he can't remember a word and to write but he forgets it all the next day mary even put him through the catechism and a week later he didn't know one thing about it so what are you going to do i figure it out he goes on meditatively that the people who learn easily are the ones who have been here before they knew it all in another life maybe in another language and all they have to do is just recall it but jimmy here well i guess this is his first trip all the while jimmy of the tow-head and the thin wiry legs and arms is grinning at his critic with a wild snaggletooth smile of great affection the blake's house stands on the side of an old log hut of two rooms in a lean-to shed in digging the cellar they came upon a walled-in grave the boards almost rotted away and in it lay a skeleton whose no one knows for that grave was dug before the time of anyone now living at many islands was it some indian warrior laid there to sleep was it a settler of the old pioneer days no one can tell and no one cares the blakes built their comfortable eight-room house over his bones and thought no more about them yesterday mary and i drove to queensport the county seat fifteen miles away that i might show myself at the bank and the stores where i am to trade this winter 
the start was to be early and i rose at dawn to have breakfast over the cabin cleaned and i myself rode over to the farm the woods lay wrapped in a heavy mist not a wet leaf stirred the water looked like mouse-coloured crepe and the sun hung like a big pink balloon in a sky of velvet grey but before our start the mist had burned away and the day was glorious the road lies through a rolling country all hills woods lakes and glades queensport stands at the head of a chain of lakes it boasts two banks a high school churches of all denominations and a dozen or so shops and houses set in gardens we dined at the hotel the wardrobe house we transacted our business at the bank and turned then to our shopping we went to the harness shop for bread to the grocer's for a spool of thread to the tailor's to inquire the cost of a telephone then i bethought me of my need for some rag carpet i did not really want that carpet that day indeed i had not the money to pay for it i only thought of inquiring for it while i was in town we were directed to the hardware shop as the most likely place for carpets and i had no sooner mentioned my errand when a voice came out from behind a stove saying eagerly i know where you can find just what you're looking for my old mother has forty yards of as fine a rag carpet as you could wish to see say the word and i'll drive you right out to the farm and show it to you whereupon a tall wiry keen-faced man rose up and dashed out of the shop returning in an instant with a buggy and a wild-looking black horse despite my protest we were bundled into the vehicle and driven at a gallop through the main street of queensport and the driving was as the driving of jehu the son of nimshi past farms and fields we flew stopping with a mighty jerk at the door of the mother's house there the carpet was rolled forth before me and there mary blake and our energetic friend measured me off twenty yards of it by a nick and the edge of the kitchen table in vain i pleaded and explained my poverty our abductor waved me a careless hand money he assured me is the last thing that ever worried me you may pay for the carpet when and where you choose on the way back to town my new friend was properly presented his name was william whitfield later i heard varied tales of his peculiarities there was talk of a horse trade to which bill whitfield was a party the other man came out of the transaction the richer by one more experience but the poorer as regarded property it was told me that men said freely that bill whitfield drunk could get better of any two sober men in the dominion when it came to a bargain and as i contemplated my roll of carpet leaning against the dashboard i understood why i had been as wax in his hands and i could only be thankful that it had not occurred to mr whitfield to sell me the whole forty yards back we jogged mary and i along the quiet roads discussing our bargains and the news of the town we passed the schoolhouse just as teacher was locking the door for the night the dusty road was printed all over with the marks of little bare feet all turning away from the school gate and pointing toward home the sun was sinking in a flamed sky as we came to the shore of our own lake where the rowboat lay on the sand awaiting us a pair of tired travellers glad to be nearing home i would not be a bigot to each man should belong the right to vaunt the glories of his own beloved camping-ground there may be other places as beautiful as this lake of the many islands although i cannot believe it but many islands at sunset its quiet waters all rose and saffron and lavender under a crescent moon when the swallows skim the surface and dip their breasts in the ripple and the blue heron flaps away to his nest in the reeds well i shall see no other spot that so moves my heart with its beauty 
until my eyes look out far beyond the sunset and behold the land that is very far off i drift on past the islands where the cedars troop down to the water's edge and the white birches lean far out over the rocks the colors fade the far line of the forest becomes a purple blur and stars come out and hang in a dove-gray sky i land at the little dock safe hidden in the cove i scramble along the dark trail to the house while the loons are laughing and calling as they rock on the waves End of chapter two